Good morning, everyone. Everyone's, uh, I'm going to, uh, typically the 8.30 crowd can handle a little bit more meat and theology in a homily. So the homily I gave last night, I'll return to at 11, but now I'm going to give you a little bit more meat. So hopefully you've had your coffee. Uh, so my friends, our first reading uh, comes from the book of Deuteronomy and describes an ancient ritual, a religious rite, and it was composed of two ceremonies. And the Israelites offered their first fruits to God while they recited a creed. The offering of first fruits and the accompanying prayer were joyful expressions of gratitude to God in all things. The first fruits were considered to be sacred to God in their understanding, and thus they consecrated it to God. The first fruits represented the entire harvest of the people, which the Israelites considered as belonging to God in all things. But it was the first fruits that they offered to God. And the rest of the harvest was to be used by the Israelite people, to be shared amongst themselves. And that part of it was also understood to be a gift from God to the people. The accompanying creed was both an account of Israel's history and an expression of the gratitude to God for all that he had done. That brings us then to our Mass. The celebration of our Mass is a thanksgiving offered to God, as we are to do it in a spirit of gratitude also. In the Mass, we offer to God the first fruits of salvation. Uh, who is Christ? Of course, Christ needed no redemption. He was without sin, but as St. Paul says, Christ is now raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, 1 Corinthians 15:20. Christ gloriously risen from the dead is offered at the Mass. He is offered as the first fruit because he was the first to rise in perfect resurrection, body and soul. And in his resurrection, the promise of our resurrection, who would believe in him, is made. And it is the cause of our rising from the dead. Thus, in union with Christ, we offer God the Father, the Mass, in gratitude for all that we have received. To nourish our souls, God now gives us the Holy Eucharist, the very gift we have offered to him. Christ, his only begotten one. We rejoice thus for all that God has done for us. He has, through his Son, set us free from slavery and has broken the bond to that slavery and has ungripped the grip that Satan had upon the world. He continues to do it by the wonder of his love and by the sign of his Son, who is perpetuated at the Mass at its offering. I go to our second reading where St. Paul describing the nature of faith. The act of faith is to believe in your heart and to confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. Both things give external expressions of one's faith in the Word of God. And we are to show that expression in the manner in which we live. Our lives are to glorify God and to express what we believe in the words, Jesus is Lord and Savior. Faith was necessary for salvation of the Israelites, 
They were to be faithful and true to God as God was always faithful and true to them. And God was a source of security uh, for Israel. Israel could rest in God. Faith is required uh, for the salvation of the Christian also. The Christian is to accept the word of God. The Christian is to accept that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and he alone is Lord and Savior. And he alone then is the source of sanctification. We are to believe that through his Paschal mystery, the Christian is delivered from sin and has a new life in Christ now. Faith necessarily requires works expressed externally by confession by the lips, in other words, prayer. And faith is expressed in the motives that prompt our activity. Our gospel is sometimes challenging, uh, for in it we are told that the Lord Jesus is subjected to temptation. Though he was without sin, our Lord permitted the temptation to happen to him as an example for us on how we, as children of God, should act in times of temptation. Regarding our Lord, these temptations were directed at his human nature. Remember, Jesus has two natures, divine and human. Satan went after, he knew he couldn't touch the divine, so he went after his human nature. And these are things that are just like, ah, my head is hurting, I'm trying to understand all this completely. The nature of the temptations, when we look at them, are geared to attack the human nature of Jesus. And it becomes clear that Satan doesn't seem to understand everything. And the one way he's saying, if you are the Son of God, and he's questioning Jesus, do you know if you're the Son of God? And at the same time, Satan may not understand either. Are you the Son of God? <laughs> So the first one was an appeal to satisfy human need for food. We are told after the 40 days, Jesus was hungry in the body. The second temptation appealed to the human desire for power and wealth and superiority. And the third temptation was intended to, if you will, stimulate ostentatious pride and conceit. If you are the Son of God, he will command his angels to do something for you. Let us see. In conquering these temptations, Christ taught us how to live as children of God. His example is to be our ways also. He conformed himself to the will of his Father. Christ did not act rashly, ever. But he prayed. He prayed often. And there's this thing about the prayer. Um, Jesus took himself to the Father and prayed for everything. Uh, even when he selected his best friends, he went to his Father. Came down and selected his best friends, if you will, the apostles. Everything that Jesus did, he still went to the Father in prayer. My friends, um, I had visited some years ago uh, Arcadia, California, and there uh, there are ranchers, and they have sheep, 
And while I went to have, uh, to have barbecued, <laughs> I do like lamb, <laughs> and they do really well, but that's a different point. Um, but I went, and, uh, and I talked to them about many things, and um, they were talking about the role of the shepherd, the role of the dog, sheep herder's dog, and the sheep, and the predators, which would be wolves and uh, cougars, I believe is what was up there. And I thought that the predator would go after the legs of the sheep running. And the rancher was like, oh no, silly. The predator goes for the throat to silence it. Because if it begins to cry out, it will alert the other sheep. And the other sheep will gain the attention of the shepherd and his weapon and his dog. I'm like, my goodness, the predators are smart. And um, in the same way, my friends, Satan would love for you to not pray. He would love to discourage you. Why bother? He doesn't hear you. Haven't you prayed a hundred times to him and he has not given what you wanted? He does not hear you. That's not what's going on. <laughs> but Satan would love for you, so he goes for your throat. So you cannot call out. So when you become discouraged, no, that is what your predator wants. So you call out all the more when you don't stop. Friends, Christ acted for the welfare of God's kingdom on earth rather than for his own purposes. We are to follow the example of Christ in times of temptation if Jesus is without sin, then temptation is not sin. Sometimes people come into the confessional, Father, forgive me, I've sinned, uh, I'm plagued with temptation. Oh, brother, that is not the sin. The sin is what you do with it, or what you do not do with it. But I'm plagued with it. Pray for grace, that you may resist it. We can pray asking God for help, for his grace. We are to remember our dignity as children of God and refuse to degrade ourselves by giving in to temptation. We are to work for the kingdom of God on earth. The example of Christ teaches us not to satisfy these instincts that are so selfish within us that will lead us then into sin. Each one of us experiences temptation. I don't think I've ever met any human that's ever said they were not tempted. This should not cause us undue stress or any despair. Our Lord was tempted and gave an example of how to conquer temptation, how to move beyond Satan. But my friends, um, one thing I caution is do not attempt to take Satan on yourself. Do not speak to him because he's a great liar. To take Satan on yourselves would be like Father Mark taking on one of those cougars. I will be down and out in a minute. But you can, with God's grace, fend him off. The only ones I know that properly speak and can defend themselves against Satan are the exorcists. <laughs> and one of my best friends and classmates is one. He has told me stories. And 
he's in another state. He can speak to me about cases as long as I don't know who they are and stuff. And because we're in a different state, he... But I've asked him no longer to speak about it because they were terrifying to me. And in a very selfish way, I could not watch particular genre of films that I like watching because then <laughs> they became too terrifying for me. Um, so my friends, um, as we enter into this Lenten season uh, with the great pillars of fasting and prayer and almsgiving, uh, together the three of them are pleasing to the Father in Jesus' name. Let us do this. Let us be wise about all things. And my friends, um, uh, looking at our first reading where it asks for the first fruits, my friends, um, the United States Bishops' Conference, the bishops of the United States have asked uh, for the parishes uh, to take up a donation that would help the people of Ukraine. And uh, uh, we are going to do that. So this weekend, 25% um, of our collection will go to this campaign of theirs. And um, the money is going to be funneled through the churches of Central and Eastern Europe, and uh, in particular, the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. So we will not be using government venues, but the church venues to get it to the people who need help. And my friends, uh, we pray for peace for the people, but we pray for peace for the Russian people also. And uh, the fund uh, that will collect, uh, there's also, uh, and I know people don't hear about it much, but the Republic of Georgia is a country over by Turkey. And uh, the Catholics uh, who follow the Armenian rite and the Chaldean rite and the Latin rite are under siege there also and have been for a long time. And so some of the funding uh, first will go to the people of Ukraine to help them immediately in this crisis. And then uh, it will also, whatever is left, will go to help to rebuild the churches. And I don't mean the buildings, I mean the, the people uh, that are in the Republic of Georgia, the country. Um, so again, uh, uh, for those who are not, of course you didn't know this was happening, so you can always bring your donation into the ch church office. Uh, the bishops have asked us to please uh, get the funds ready and delivered to its proper source by the 15th of this month uh, to hurry up to expedite uh, the, the funds. Uh, so you can uh, certainly go to the bishop's website, United States Conference, and you'll, uh, they have a QR code that you can click. There's also uh, the hashtag GiveCatholicTogether. Um, you can find more information, but uh, I ask that you pray and, and think about perhaps giving more today uh, knowing that we will take 25% of it and put it towards the fund that the, Arch the bishops have asked and Archbishop has asked us. Um, friends, uh, last night um, I, uh, um, I told people um, initially nine, ten days ago when it started, um, I was so angry and almost blinded by the anger of the attacks, the brutality of war and of this particular war, and um, almost demanding God do justice. But uh, on my heart, and I thank my guardian angel, who says, careful, priest, careful. God's ways are different from yours, and you fall under the umbrella. I, can fe I felt it right on my heart, and I was like, oh, I hear you. <laughs> uh, so I always warn people, if you're going to ask for God's justice, be sure you've gone to confession. 
and relieve yourself of your sins. But better yet, the prayer that I offer now is, Father, you know all things. You know what needs to be done. And I rely on you. That is the faith and the firmness that we hear in the scriptures from today. So I rely on him. I pray for peace and for restoration. And God knows what needs to be done. So I make my prayer to him now. And for those who might have felt the same way I did, uh, do not be blinded by your anger. Jesus was never rash. He was always responsible. So be responsible about our prayers. We pray, and those prayers lead us to action, and we do what we can. Now, my friends, uh, beginning Friday, March 11th, uh, the Archbishop has made his decision about mask wearing. They will become optional. Uh, so you, um, in the Archdiocese of Seattle, on all the campuses and all the churches and schools, it will be optional. There will be, under certain circumstances and situations where the mass will be required, uh, if not highly recommended, but um, they're very particular, and that's being communicated to us pastors and principals of schools. Uh, but um, my friends, uh, for those of you who are uncomfortable, you are welcome to wear your mask. And no one had better give you the stink eye about it. In the same way that I said, don't give anyone the stink eye who's decided not to wear their mask, now I'm going to have to work the other way and say that those who wear masks, let them alone. Let them wear their mask. It's okay. They're welcome to. But it will be optional beginning Friday, March 11th. And uh, uh, when it comes to the Catholic schools in the Archdiocese, um, the Archbishop is fine-tuning some things, but uh, my understanding is that it will be optional also there, but there will be certain circumstances and situations where uh, on the, in Catholic schools they may have to, it will be recommended. But again, anyone who is not comfortable taking off their mask, then continue wearing your mask, and it will be okay. If you listen carefully, you will hear your guardian angel. The scriptures are replenished of it. Each one of you have guardian angels. And they're there not to get in your way, but they are there to help. So listen. Listen. And friends, uh, you'll hear from time to time, I'll, uh, always our patron, you'll hear me ask uh, St. Nicholas pray for us. And uh, of late, you might have heard me asking Our Lady of Fatima. And if you recall, uh, Our Lady appeared to three children and told us that her son was greatly offended by the world's ways and uh, to pray the rosary every day for an unto wars and peace. And in particular, at that time, uh, the consecration of Russia to the, uh, the Sacred Heart. And so you'll hear me invoke now Our Lady also 